We have now entered November, which is Christmas season, which means that if you haven't already started your Christmas list before December, you are starting your Christmas list, especially kids, because grandma and grandpa need your list. Mom and dad need your list. Aunts and uncles need your list. And so kids, what's on your Christmas list this year? New video game? Clothes? New boots? You get your list all together and you hand it out and you're almost guaranteed to get at least something from it. (laughs) It's the best time of year for kids because you have all these wants and wishes and desires and you have all these things you want from the store and at Christmas time you get them. It's great. And all you have to do is make a list. And as you get older, you still have lists. Adults, you still make a Christmas list. Even if you don't write it out, there are things that you want that, oh, it would be nice to have if it could happen. And so what's on your list this year? New iPad, new clothes, new computer. We all have things that are on our Christmas list that we want. And it's nice when we get them. But there are some things that are on our Christmas list, on our wishes and wants and desires, that don't make the cut of our Christmas list. And it's not because our Christmas lists are too long. It's because there are some things that we want that money can't buy. There are some things that we want that can't be wrapped, put in a box, wrapped, and placed under the tree. For instance, we want true freedom. Not freedoms that we have here in America, but freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from the guilt that racks our hearts. From the shame and embarrassment and insecurities that we live with every single day. We would love to get that for Christmas. But who can go and purchase it and place it under the tree? Nobody. Or what about a kept promise? In a world where we don't know who's telling the truth, uh, when even the most trustworthy people break their word, wouldn't it be great if we could get a kept promise for Christmas? But who can wrap that and place it under the tree? Nobody. And then what about the topic today? A second chance. I think all of us know what it's like that, to say something and have the rude comment just roll out of our mouths and immediately regret it. I think we know what it's like to break a promise to a child where we said we'd do something or be somewhere and then we see the look on their face as we disappoint them. And we wish we could take it back. Maybe you did something and you were caught doing something that you know was wrong and now you've been caught and you wish you had a second chance to go back and redo But unfortunately, in this life, we don't get too many second chances. Nobody can wrap that and put it under the tree so it doesn't make our list. In our world, we don't get second chances too often. But what about with our God? No matter who we are, we've sinned. We've said that a couple times throughout this service today. And and unlike people in our lives... 
God doesn't just see our actions. He doesn't just hear the words coming out out of our mouths. He also reads our thoughts. He knows everything about us. And he sees how many times we've sinned. All of us need a second chance from God. Can we get one? And if so, what do we have to do to get it? That's what we're talking about today as we look at Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah was a prophet who lived uh, around 700 B.C. Uh, He lived at a time when uh, the nation of Israel looked like this. Now, I know you can't really see or read anything in there, but I really am only interested in you seeing the green and the purple. Um, In in 700 B.C., uh, the nation of Israel had already had a civil war, and the green is the kingdom of Israel. The purple is the kingdom of Judah. The kingdom of Israel had for a long time, for hundreds of years, had turned away from God and followed Baal, an idol. And so in 722 BC, God finally gave them a wake-up call as the Assyrians from the north came down, conquered them, and then deported them back to Assyria and spread them out. The kingdom of Judah was following in the same steps that the kingdom of Israel did. And in 700 BC, Isaiah looks out and he sees that the Assyrians are knocking on the doors of the capital of Judah, Jerusalem. And they're getting ready to come down, break down the walls, and take over Jerusalem as well. And so Isaiah turns to God. And he's looking for a second chance. Because they have gone away from God, and he says, God, we need your help. Is there any way we can have a second chance? And so let's look at this prayer. We're in Isaiah chapter 64, and here's what Isaiah says. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and cause water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah starts his prayer by saying, Oh, that you would come down and rend the heavens. Tear apart the heavens, God, and come down and shake the mountains like you've done in the past. Make your name known to our enemy, the Assyrians who are waiting outside these walls. Come down and shake like you've done in the past. Make your name known. What's he thinking of? Well, he could be thinking of the times, uh, 1500 B.C., when, the, when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their slavery to the Egyptians, and they got to the Red Sea, and they're caught between the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army coming, and what did God do? He came down and he parted the Red Sea and delivered his people. He made his name known. Maybe he's thinking of Mount Sinai. When the people got to Mount Sinai at the foot of the hill, God came down on the mountain, shaking it with thunder, lightning, and fire. Maybe they're thinking about Jericho. Maybe that's what he's thinking about when, when uh, God broke down the walls of, the, uh, of Jericho and they fell, crumbled and collapsed, and he made his name known. God, tear the heavens apart and come down. 
The only problem, God had gone silent on the Israelites. Why? Here's what we're told. You come to help uh, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? Isaiah says, you come and help those who follow your ways, Lord. But we continued to sin. We continued to go against your ways. And now we're in a position where we need a second chance, Isaiah says. We need a second chance. And if we think about a second chance, how do we normally think we get second chances? We do something, right? We change our ways, big grand gestures, uh, buy flowers, buy gifts, make a concerted effort to be different than how you were or what you did. Uh, it's through your actions that you get a second chance, right? Unfortunately, here's what Isaiah says. In regards to God, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and have given us over to our sins. Isaiah says, unfortunately, all of us have become like one who is unclean. The Jewish people knew what it meant to be unclean. If somebody had leprosy, they were unclean. If somebody touched a dead body, they were unclean and couldn't enter the temple. If they were unclean, you stayed on the other side of the road from that individual, so to speak. And Isaiah says, that's how we have become to God. We have all become like those who are unclean. And our natural inclination, because we want a second chance, is to say, well, let me do X, Y, or Z. Let me change my ways. Let me do this. And Isaiah says, oh, but you don't understand. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. You see, here's your first point today. No matter what we do, we can't earn a second chance. We want a second chance from God. We need a second chance from God. And yet, no matter what we do, we can't earn it. We can't get it. Because we're like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now, that makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? Because this is a really hard teaching. It's a really hard teaching about the Bible, that the Bible talks about. And yet, maybe I'll, maybe I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, we have a nine-week-old right now. And uh, she eats, and occasionally she spits up. And when I'm burping her, sometimes she spits up a lot, and it's all over my shirt. Immediately, that shirt goes straight into the laundry. But sometimes I'm burping her on my shoulder, and she spits up just a little bit right there, and it's just a little mark. But guess what happens to that shirt when I'm done uh, burping her? It gets taken off and thrown into the hamper. Because like the one that's all a mess, it also is unclean. And it needs to be washed. You see, when it comes to God, it doesn't really matter if 
you've murdered somebody, you've committed adultery, and you've made just a huge mess of your soul. Or if you've told one simple lie. Or if you've had one lustful thought. Unclean is unclean. There's no middle ground where it's, well, I'm kind of clean. Well, if you're kind of clean, then you're unclean. And that's how we all are before God. Sin is sin. And if we come to God and we say, God, I'm going to get rid of my uncleanness by wrapping Christmas presents for cancer patients, for donating more of my time at church. I'm going to donate more money to church. God, I'm going to be in church every single day or every single Sunday. Every single day would be uh, a little bit even more. Um, But I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to be in Bible study. And this is what I'm offering And God says, how is that going to take away your uncleanness? In regards to your uncleanness, this is like offering a dirty rag. In fact, the Hebrew is even more graphic. It's not just a filthy rag. It's a rag that's used in the bathroom. God says, you're trying to become unclean by offering me this? It's like a dirty rag trying to make you unclean. It's just making you more and more dirty. Do you see the problem this presents to you and me? If all of us are unclean and we all need a second chance from God, how do we get one? Because there's nothing we can do to to get it according to God. Because all of our righteous acts, even the good things we do, can't do it. It can't can't give us a second chance. It can't remove the stain of sin. We're lost. In need of a second chance. And we're left with one thing, and it's what Isaiah does. He prays. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray. For we are your people. What does Isaiah do? Beg for God's mercy. He turns to the Lord and says, You, Lord, are our Father. Do not become, be angry beyond measure. And do not remember our sins forever. He begs for the mercy of God. And when you stop and think about it, isn't that what every second chance is about? For the very few times in life when we actually get a second chance, the second chance doesn't come because of what we've done. We just convince ourselves it's that. The second chance comes at the mercy of the individual who's giving us a second chance. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. They have mercy on us and give us a second chance. The only question is, well, God. Here's what God says in Isaiah 43. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. God, please don't remember our sins forever, Isaiah says. Lord, Father, don't remember our sins forever. And what does God say? 
I'm the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Think about that. Why does God blot out your sin? Not for your sake, but for his own. Why? Why would he ever do it? Because he wants to be with you. Because he wants to be with you forever. And so for his sake, for his wants, his desires, to be with you forever, he says, I will blot out your transgressions. The times that you cross the line for all of your sins, and I'll remember them no more. This is the second chance that we've been given. It's been, been, been given to us by God. We have a second chance because our God is a God who says, I blot out the stain of your sin. I blot out your sins and remember them no more. This is a gift that can't be bought in a store. It can't be put in a box and wrapped and placed under the tree. This gift comes to you wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger. At Christmas, our Savior is born into this world to do one thing, to cleanse you from your sins, to make you clean, to blot out your transgressions so that God looks at you and says, what sin? And that's exactly what our Savior's done. Our Savior, born into this world, grew up and He shed His blood on the cross. And through His shed blood, He's cleansed you. He's washed you. He's made you holy and blameless in His sight. Here's what Ephesians 5 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Through Jesus, we have gone from unclean to clean before our God. And so here's your last point today. God gives us the gift of a second chance in Jesus. You see, when Jesus died, and in our baptism, with Tristan and Brent this morning who were baptized, when that water washed over their head, what did God do? He brought them from unclean to clean. Nothing looked like it changed on the outside, but on the inside, in the spiritual realm, God washed their souls clean of all of their sin so that they stand before God now holy and radiant and blameless, cleansed before Him. And that's what He's done for you. In, our, in your baptism, He's connected you with your Savior Jesus, who's washed you, cleansed you, and brought you from clean or unclean too clean. Every single stain on your soul has been washed so that you now stand before God, forgiven. And now God looks at you and he says, what sin? I don't remember any of them. We have a good relationship. You have a second chance. And it's all found in the gift of Jesus. One more thing I want to touch on before we close up today. Uh, when, when somebody in, this, in, in our life gives us a second chance, how often uh, don't we leave, and, and we're, we're thankful for the second chance, but we also leave a little fearful, walking on eggshells, because we don't want to screw up, because we're not going to get a third time. 
And so I don't want you to leave here today thinking, God's wiped my slate clean, now I better not go mess up. Because what does our God know? He knows that we will. Because we're sinful still. On this side of heaven, we still struggle with sin. But here's the beauty of what our Savior has done for us in our baptism. He's washed us, and he's made us stain-free. We're stain-resistant now. Because our Savior has changed our status before our God. We stand before him with a, a clean slate through Jesus. Through faith in him, God continues to wipe away all the sins that we commit every single day so that when we go to bed at night, we have peace and joy knowing that we are uh, clean, holy, and blameless before our God. And it's all because of our Savior Jesus. So when we lay down our head at night and we say, Father, forgive me for this, this, and this that I've done today, our God looks at us and says, sin, I don't remember. They've been taken away in Jesus. This gift is for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how big of sin you've committed. It doesn't matter how big of a mess you've made or, or how little of a mess. It's for you, and it's all through our Savior Jesus. God gives you the gift of a second chance. And so let's live to please him. Let's live to follow his ways, to thank and praise the God of second chances. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what joy fills our hearts today to know that we stand before you, cleansed from all sin, holy and blameless, because you are the God who blots out our transgressions and remembers our sins no more. You, blot out, uh, you blotted out those transgressions at the cross when our Savior Jesus shed his blood for us, washing us clean from all of our sin, and all the stains of our sin on our soul are now removed. We thank you that we stand in confidence before you, in peace and in joy knowing that we have a second chance, a clean slate. As we leave here today, let us live for you. Uh, let us follow your ways out of joy and thanks for what you've done for us. Not out of fear, but out of joy and thanks for the grace and forgiveness that you've given us through Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.